Hi, I'm Andrew Sylvester. It's my great privilege to open up God's Word with you today and to help us understand what it's saying. Now, as we read the passage, it'd be great if you could actually have a Bible open in front of you. And as we go through it, we can see what is God saying to us today. Before we go through this, let's uh, pause and begin in prayer, asking God for help. Dear Lord, as we read your word today, remind us of the bad news about ourselves. Open our eyes to see ourselves as we truly are and give us the strength to bear it. Comfort us in your Holy Spirit to remind us how you love us regardless and how you will transform us to become more like you as we live out the hope that we profess. In Jesus' name, amen. These school holidays, I've had the great privilege of being able to go overseas to visit my extended family. I love my family, though most of them are not Christians. I want my extended family to have the same hope and peace that I have in Jesus. So whilst I was away, I asked them, what do you think about church? What do you think about Christians? And they shared with me the hypocrisy of the leaders, the greediness of the pastors getting rich at the congregation's expense, the leaders of the church not doing the things that they told everybody else to do. Have you had similar conversations with your non-Christian friends and family? Even though this was in Korea, I think there's a very similar sentiment here in Sydney too. I was really saddened by what I heard. I was shocked as well. But the worst bit was when I actually went to church. The Bible message was from the Sermon on the Mount. The message was, always tell the truth. And that's not wrong, is it? Like, it's good to always tell the truth, but it's not the gospel. It was as if the leader always told the truth. And the way to be good enough to God was to never lie. The problem is that I know we've all lied. Richard shared his lies I'm with you there, brother. But if that's the truth, then what hope is there for us? What hope is there for me? What hope is there for my extended family? Because they know they've lied. This isn't a doable message. And the leaders themselves are known for not doing it. The hypocrisy is clear to everyone. And the church is wondering why so many people are leaving. Now, for me, it's really easy to point the finger at hypocrisy. But my mum always told me, when you point the finger, you've got three fingers pointing back at yourself. Now, as we read God's Word today, we're fortunately going to have the chance to look at our own hypocrisy and see what God is saying to us. We're going to hear some really strong warnings from Jesus, but also a great hope. There's two sections in today's passage. The first section, which we haven't heard, was where Jesus is blasting the Pharisees and teachers of the law of their hypocrisy. In the second section, which we did hear read, Jesus warns his disciples to be on guard against hypocrisy. Let's first look at the context of the passage. The first section is set at a Pharisee's house. The Pharisees were a group that were passionately religious. Uh, this Pharisee had invited Jesus over for a meal. And Jesus goes in and doesn't wash his hands. 
And now this isn't like what we tell our kids to do before your meals, go wash their hands. It's actually the ritualistic cleaning that the Pharisees would do, and many Jews still do today, to show that they are clean before God. Let's read that in the Word in verse 37. Verse 37. When Jesus had finished speaking, a Pharisee invited him to eat with him. So he went in and reclined at the table. But the Pharisee was surprised when he noticed that Jesus did not wash before the meal. Most people, when they go to someone's house, will offer blessings and praise to the host. Not so Jesus. Jesus wasn't there to please people, but to call people to God. And he says to his host, stop being a hypocrite. All these rituals that you're doing, they're not reflecting the relationship that you have with God. All these outward things you're doing in front of everyone else, they don't actually show that you're actually clean. God knows that you are full of wickedness and greed. God wants relationship. He doesn't want rituals. He wants them to love God and to love what's true. This self-righteous group were wicked and self-centered just like everyone else. And Jesus, he curses and judges these people. Let's read this with me from verse 39. Verse 39. Then the Lord said to him, Now then, you Pharisees, you clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. You foolish people, did not the one who make the outside make the inside also? But now, as for what is inside of you, be generous to the poor, and everything will be clean for you. Woe to you, Pharisees! Because you give God a tenth of your mint and rue and all, all other kind of garden herbs, but you neglect the justice and the love of God. You should have practiced the latter without leaving the former undone. Woe to you, Pharisees! Because you love the most important seats in the synagogues and respectful greetings in the marketplaces. Woe to you, because you are like unmarked graves, which people walk over without knowing it. To a Jew, to walk over an unmarked grave would make them unclean. These Pharisees aren't clean by their rituals. They're dirty. And not only that, they're making everybody else dirty too. This is bad news for the Pharisees. An expert in the law, though, he's there and he picks up on what Jesus is saying. He says, wait a second. If you're saying the Pharisees are hypocrites, you're saying that we are too. Perhaps this expert wished he'd kept his mouth shut. Because uh, Jesus then replies to him. Jesus says, not only are the Pharisees hypocrites because they don't understand the bad news that they are sinners, you are supposed to be experts in the law and you don't even understand the law. You don't even understand it. He condemns them saying that you load people with extra rules that they can't obey. A little bit like that church that I was at on my travels. But the worst bit is they don't do them either. Instead of listening to God's messengers, they joined the family business. Their fathers killed the prophets, the messengers, and these experts are celebrating the deaths. Jesus says, you stop people understanding the law. Instead of understanding, the Old Testament points to our failures, but also our need for a saviour. Like Isaiah 53, where it says, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And then the promise of the Messiah, but the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. 
Instead of helping people understand this good news, these experts were putting up barriers, stopping people from understanding God. Let's read this from verse 45. From verse 45. One of the experts in the law answered him, Teacher, when you say these things, you insult us also. Jesus replied, And you experts in the law, woe to you, because you load people down with burdens that they can hardly carry, and you yourselves will not lift one finger to help them. Woe to you, because you build tombs for the prophets, and it was your ancestors who killed them. So you testify that you approve of what your ancestors did. They killed the prophets, and you build their tombs. Because of this, God said in his wisdom, I will send them prophets and apostles, some of whom they will kill and others they will persecute. Therefore, this generation will be held responsible for the blood of all the prophets that have been shed since the beginning of the world, from the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, who was killed between the altar and the sanctuary. Yes, I tell you, this generation will be held responsible for it all. Woe to you experts in the law, because you have taken away the key to knowledge. You yourselves have not entered, and you've hindered those who were entering. So how did the Pharisees and the experts respond to this bad news? They continued as hypocrites. They didn't receive the bad news. They didn't understand the good news. Instead, they attacked Jesus, not just the messengers from God, but God the Son himself. We see that in verse 53. Verse 53. When Jesus went outside, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law began to oppose him fiercely and to besiege him with questions, waiting to catch him in something he might say. Now we turn to the second of these two sections, where Jesus speaks to his disciples. Here he's, he, Jesus warns his disciples, they're not immune from hypocrisy either but they need to actively guard against it and when Jesus says this he doesn't mean that he needs to guard against other people's hypocrisy they need to guard against their own hypocrisy and he used an interesting metaphor in yeast you can't see yeast in the dough but you take dough from one batch and put it to another that yeast will infect and spread throughout the whole new dough and completely change it into something else Jesus warns his disciples to not be like the Pharisees. Watch out for their own hypocrisy. Let's read that in chapter 12, verse 1. Meanwhile, when a crowd of many thousands had gathered, so that they were trampling on one another, Jesus began to speak first to his disciples, saying, Be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. After warning his disciples to be on guard against hypocrisy, Jesus then tells them how they are to be on guard. And the first thing they need to do is they need to accept the bad news. You see, hypocrites, they think they can hide all their failings, that nobody else sees them, even though they're plain to us all. Jesus says, God can see everything. You can't pretend to be good. He knows everything. He knew the wickedness of the Pharisees, and he knows these disciples he knows their wickedness too. He knows everything. And not only does he know everything, he will judge them. The disciples need to guard against their hypocrisy. They need to receive this bad news because God knows everything and God will judge them. 
There's no point being scared in trying to hide things from people. God can see everything. And God just can't kill you. He, he can send you to hell. God knows everything. And he's the one that they should fear. Let's read this from verse 2. Verse 2. There is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What you have said in the dark will be heard in the daylight. What you have whispered in the ear, in the inner rooms, will be proclaimed from the roofs. I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who can kill the body and after that can do no more. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after your body has been killed, has authority to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Wow, that's some pretty harsh, harsh news. That's some pretty bad news. But Jesus hasn't finished. He's still speaking in this same sentence. He says, there is good news. Fearing God isn't like fearing a bully or a dictator. Jesus continues in that same breath of disciples. He says that God cares what happens to the smallest of the birds. And even more so, he cares about you and what happens to these disciples. He cares about them. He knows all the wickedness about them, yet he still loves and cares for them. This bad news that God knows everything, it only makes this good news sweeter, this good news freer, this good news truer. The disciples, they don't need to pretend that they're good enough. They don't need to pretend like they're great people. God knows all of these things, and yet he still cares for them, yet he still loves them. The disciples can be honest with God. God knows them fully, yet he still loves and cares for them. Let's read that from verse 6. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. And this is not the only good news. God didn't just care for them in this life. Jesus says he, Jesus says he will acknowledge those who accept the bad news about him and those who accept him as their saviour, he will acknowledge them before God's angels. And not only that, he will show his care by giving them the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is going to help them proclaim the good news. The good news that despite that they're bad, that God still loves them. Jesus said we should publicly acknowledge him before others. Not to be ashamed of him or disown him in front of people, and not to stress over all the things that we should say, because the Holy Spirit will teach them at that time, at that moment, what they should say. Let's read this great promise in verse 8. Verse 8. I tell you, whoever publicly acknowledges me before others, the Son of Man will also acknowledge before the angels of God. But whoever disowns me before others will be disowned before the angels of God. And everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But anyone who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. When you are brought before synagogues, rulers and authorities, do not worry about how you will defend yourselves or what you will say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. Wow, did you see that in verse 10? 
despite this incredible blessing, that there's an incredible warning. Whoever blasphemes the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. What did Jesus mean by this? At this point, Jesus was still with his disciples. The day when the Holy Spirit uh, comes down upon the disciples, it, it hasn't occurred yet. This time hasn't occurred. So what did Jesus mean by saying that those who blaspheme the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven? To answer this, if we look at the book of Acts, when uh, the deacon Stephen is being, uh, he's being martyred, he says, the Israelites always resist the Holy Spirit. The Israelites proved this by killing the prophets that God had sent and also by killing Jesus. So how were these Israelites, whom Jesus is speaking to, how were they resisting or blaspheming the Holy Spirit? By not accepting the bad news that they are sinners. By not accepting that they need a Messiah. By not wanting to be forgiven. They don't want to be forgiven. So Jesus says, they will not be forgiven. So to summarize this whole passage... Jesus calls out the hypocrisy of the self-righteous Pharisees and experts in the law. He warns his disciples to be on guard against hypocrisy. He teaches them how. He says, accept the bad news. We are all sinful. Accept the good news. God loves and cares for us. And follow the Spirit. Acknowledge Jesus publicly. So you can see what this passage is saying to us today. We need to accept the good news. We also need to accept the bad news first. Accept the bad news, that we need the good news, and then acknowledge Jesus publicly. Accept the bad news, accept the good news, and acknowledge Jesus publicly. So how do we accept the bad news? What does it look like to accept the bad news? Do you look at yourself in the, mor- in the mirror in the morning? Does anyone here look at themselves in the mirror in the morning? Why? Why do you do this? Do you look at the mirror in the morning to say, wow, I'm such an amazing person, and you blow some kisses to yourself? (laughs) No, we, we look at the mirror because we are aware that we probably need to fix ourselves after a night of sleep, that we don't meet the standard. I think most people here are pretty happy to say that they aren't perfect. But are you willing to think about yourself as not being good enough? That no matter how much you donate to charity or be kind to others, how much you try to be a good person and not break the law, live a hard-working life, that you still don't measure up to God's standard of perfection. A hypocrite thinks that they're good when everyone else can see that they're not. We can guard against our own hypocrisy by looking at the mirror. We can guard against hypocrisy by listening to God's word. We can not blaspheme the Holy Spirit. We can listen to him. And today, the Holy Spirit speaks to us through his word, the Bible. The Holy Spirit speaks to our hearts, convicting us that what this says is true about us. And the Bible, it's said to be a mirror for us. When we read the Bible, the Holy Spirit speaks to our heart, our conscience. It reveals the truth that on our own, We are not good enough. We have not lived up to this standard. This is bad news to accept. And when we read the Bible daily, we should look at it like a mirror. We should look at it to see that, wow, we do actually not meet up to this standard. Are you willing to see that truth about yourself? 
A hypocrite will hear this and they'll say, I'm not that bad. But remember, Jesus told his disciples, we can't hide our sin. Everything done in secret, behind closed doors, everything that we've thought that we thought no one else knew, it's going to be brought to light. And we shouldn't worry about what other people will think about these things. We should only worry about what God will think about this. Again and again, we need to come back to the realisation that we need forgiveness. We need forgiveness. That, that we are like covered in mud. We're stink. We're, we don't need to worry about then about avoiding other people who are also covered in mud as if they're going to make us dirty. We need to realise that we are dirty too. That means that we can come alongside them and share our failings with others. We can guard against hypocrisy by first accepting the bad news about ourselves. And why should we be be so willing to accept such bad news? Because there's good news. God doesn't just know and expose all our sins. He knows our struggles. He knows our worries. He knows our hopes. And he cares for us. He loves us in spite of our sin. And that makes that love deep and authentic. It's real love. I remember when I first started dating my wife, Esther, I was very cautious and defensive. I did not want to speak about money. I hated thinking about money. I didn't want to talk about money. And the reason I hated it is because I had made some bad financial decisions in my chiropractic business. And I was scared that if she knew how bad I was, she would leave me. But when I was honest about my guilt towards her, when I was honest about my shame, she still accepted me for who I was and she, she promised to help me. From that moment, it was like the chains had fallen off. I could trust her with everything. And that is how God cares for you too. This is how God loves you. He already knows the bad stuff that you've done. He knows the bad stuff that you've thought. He knows the bad stuff that you're going to do. And yet he still sent Jesus to die on the cross for you. He knew all of these things. He knew that. He still died for you. And everyone now who then acknowledges him, he will now call his own family before angels. So that means we can come to God with our brokenness. We can come to God with our sin. We can come to God with any shame and guilt that we have. And God's going to help transform us and renew us in the Holy Spirit. That same mirror, God's Word, that exposes us and shows that we're not good enough, also promises the same hope that Jesus loves us despite all of these things, that Jesus is that Savior that we need. He fulfilled that standard. And when we trust on His sacrifice... On our behalf, we put our faith of our goodness in his goodness, in his righteousness. We can stand before God as clean. We can grow in love with him and we can grow to become more like him. That's a great hope and joy and peace. When we accept the bad news, it makes the good news even sweeter. We can accept the good news. And this brings me to our final point. The last thing we can do to guard against hypocrisy is then share this truth with others. We need to be quick to acknowledge that we are sinful. Our hope is not in our ability to follow the rules. Our hope is only in Jesus. We are not hypocrites who then think we're better than others. We can stand at peace 
before others and before God, knowing that Jesus has paid the price for us. We can share God's love by becoming alongside others, loving them despite their brokenness, sharing our brokenness with them and how Jesus is what brings us together. Jesus brings us hope. Jesus encourages his people to acknowledge them, acknowledge him before others. Our faith is not a private faith that we just share together in this building on this grounds. We need to share that with the world. The world needs to hear. They need to hear it in how we live. They need to hear it in how we speak, how we treat our friends and foes, how we manage our subordinates, how we treat our colleagues, how we think about ourselves. They need to hear the gospel. They need to hear that we are sinful. They need to hear that we are only, we are only good enough because of what Jesus has done for us. They don't just need to hear it. They need to see it in the way that we live. Despite the hypocrisy that I saw when I was away, I also saw a really beautiful image of this message. At the end of our holiday, our three kids were tired and crazy. They didn't listen to anything we said. We were tired and crazy. And we were meeting up with this church leader at a restaurant. Three tired and cranky kids, two tired and cranky parents in a restaurant. Oh, we were meeting up with this church leader, but in that time, we were shocked. We were shocked that not only did he not judge us, he was so kind and patient with our family, yet we could see how crazy they were. We were so shocked that we actually asked him directly about this. How could he be so non-judgmental towards us? And what he shared is he remembered how sinful he was. He knew who he was in God's eyes. And he remembered how much God had loved him and how much hope there was for us. He continued to remember who he was in God's eyes and how loved he was in Jesus. That peace just overflowed from him. There was no judgment in him. It just looked like peace and hope. Not in himself and how great he was, but that peace and hope came from in Jesus and who he was. We can share that same hope, not just in things that we say, but in the way that we act. My non-Christian family, I really want them to have that same hope and peace that I have in Jesus. And I can't control other people's hypocrisy. But Jesus tells me, I just need to watch out for my own. I can guard against my own, and I can guard against my own by sharing that message, by accepting the good news about myself. I have stuffed up. I am not good enough. I can be self-centered and wicked and I'm only good enough because of the peace that comes from the forgiveness of Jesus. I only have peace in my life because of my relationship with God who knows me, who knows everything about me and yet through Jesus forgives me. I can share that hope with them. We can share that hope with our friends and our family. When we accept the bad news about ourselves, we live like we accept that. When we accept the good news about ourselves, that Jesus loves and cares for us still. And we can share that in the way that we speak and act. Let's pray and ask God's help as we do this. As we read your word today, we are reminded you see us as we really are. All those things we think we can hide are plain before your eyes, God. 
Thank you for this great hope that despite you can, the fact you can see everything about us, that you love and care for us the same, that you sent Jesus to die on our behalf, that he would pay the price for us, that we can have peace with you through him. Help us to trust in him, to accept the bad news, to accept the good news, and help us to share that with those who do not yet know you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.